Welcome to the Injection Connection, in-depth discussions with thought leaders and professionals in the polyurethane infrastructure repair industry, hosted by Jim Spiegel, Vice President of Alchemy Speedtech and board member at the International Concrete Repair Institute. So Kev, as I said, this is the, the Injection Connection podcast. Thanks for joining. Injection Connection. You got it. And uh, yeah, I wanted to give a little background on you. So uh, what, how long have we known each other? Uh, I'd say, Jim, it's been oh, getting on for 12 years now, I think. And the, the fateful meeting was uh, Frankie and Benny's. Frankie and Benny's, there you go. So Frankie and Benny's, you badgered us to come over and uh, want to sell some something we'd never really heard of. And uh, I was quite unwilling to do it, but you know what? Things changed and I gave it a whirl anyway. Um, and we did, we had a little chat in Frankie and Benny's. Uh, all, you know, got up to about 40 degrees, drinking a coffee. And it pretty much started there, Jim. So, yeah. And a very fruitful relationship to people both of us. And uh, just for clarification, if any listeners here about the, the temperature, 40 degrees, you're talking Celsius there, right? Oh yeah, sorry. To our American, uh, to our American cousins, it was not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, I think I think originally we talked about uh, some mechanical packers, right? Didn't I have mechanical packer samples with me at that time? Yeah. So you came across, spoke about mechanical packers, uh, which we were supplying from Germany. In fairness, so we're buying a few thousand of them at a time, and that was quite interesting. And be fair, you, you showed me a product which was 6500, which I thought we could sell a bit of. Uh, how wrong I was because we sell them next to that four, really. But uh, you know what? We, we, we took the packers, we started taking your resin afterwards, and there you go. And some little acorns, and now I've uh, a small bush, yeah, yep. And now, what 12 years later, I mean, I, I just saw on, on Instagram. It was Betsy's 11th birthday? Yes. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. Actually, Jim, it's probably getting on for 10 years, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, because I think... about 10 years. I think yeah. it was 2009 or 10, I saw it when we started. Yeah. yeah, so it's probably getting on for 10 years. So, yeah, Betsy's 11th birthday. So, yes, um, I still have... I've just looked, Jim, I've got an email from me from the 18th of December, 2009. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, what's that? Uh, Ten years. Washington, that was that was your that was your initial email. You're giving me some landed costs for the packers. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, so what's uh? Give us a little just for people that don't know. So Kevin works for you're the national sales director, I believe, or national sales manager. Is that the the national title sales now? Director. Yeah, uh, for an independent chemical distributor in the UK who've been going since 1990. Uh, I've been here since 1994, January, started driving a van, which was a very good experience and some days I wish it still was. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah we've, we've just grown organically and whatever since 94, a few good times, a few tough times and uh, it's all fun. Yeah, and in 94 you said you started driving. So when, when did you actually get into to sales? I'd say we were, we were such a small outfit then, Jim, in 94. It was, you know, within about 12 months, we'd taken on a 
driver, which meant I could spend more time in the office, which means I could learn from, you know, from Jeff, who was who's still here now, uh, and pick up the reins. And, and it was probably, I'd say, about 97, 90, no, it was probably 98 when, you know, we moved premises when I started to really get, get into it and try and try things on. Yeah, but basically stop. Stop drinking the pub on a Sunday afternoon night and right. being a bit more serious. Uh, got to get to work tomorrow to uh, earn a cross. And Don, Don was the, the sole owner, I think, the whole time, right? It still is, in, in fairness, still is, and uh, still works the most hours. Yeah, perfect. So I, I know Don just staying true to the, the, the topic of the show here with injection. So Don was involved in injection back in the 80s, right, with some German manufacturers? So he, he got into injection through his business partner. He used to work for Seeker Contracts Limited, which are not associated with Seeker. I don't know how they got the name. And he was doing concrete repair, waterproofing, uh, flooring, resin flooring, that sort of thing. He left that to go into business with his mucker, and they set up a contracting arm. I think it was his mucker who knew more about injection uh, than anything else, um, but Tom definitely cottoned on to the idea that there's a few quid in it. It's quite a specialist thing, so he started an injection, he was importing a German manufacturer's stuff and, uh, you know, and doing a lot of leaks even around the country from then. Yeah, so I remember when we first talked talk to you about it and we were talking to Don, remember Don had a little bit of apprehension because he he brought in the line from Germany and kind of um, pioneered it, so to speak, in the UK, and then they went a different direction. And um, the reason I bring that that story up is that's it's kind of a common thing that we hear, you know, with distribution, especially internationally, but even in the US where people are apprehensive to bring stuff in because they pioneer it. And then, you know, that manufacturer just changes plans, does something else, you know, pulls it from them, opens other people up, things like that. Do you, yeah. do you see that happen quite a bit in, in the UK or in other places? No, I think, I think the UK is quite an interesting market. You know, I, think, I think that specialist distribution have made a market for themselves almost. I mean, if you went back 30, 35 years when Tom did this, and he was doing, in the story that I mentioned, he, he did pioneer it, he was bringing it in. He was doing a lot of injection, he did so much that the Germans wanted to put a presence here. So they set the guy on, uh, an engineer, who shadowed him around all these jobs and got to meet his clients and engineers and, and, and built up a network. And then it ended up where they called him to a meeting where there's a bunch of his competitors there and this guy would have done to train his competitors to do it. Obviously, he wasn't going to have that. So he went off. You know, did his own thing. He ended up getting resin formulated in the UK, uh, and Packers made it a mechanical workshop and, and made even more money, made even more cash uh, than he was. So, yeah, but, uh, I mean, that was that was thirty odd years ago. And interestingly, he was a customer of UPS. UPS was running at that point. It was owned by a, a guy who who sadly got cancer and died. And, well, Tom was a customer of his, but this guy was on his own with a little yardman. So, Tom, you know, one day went in and the guy passed away and, you know, Don ended up, you know, talking to his widow and putting an offer in for the company and 
whatever else, and, and, and that's history. So and then we've gone from there, but to go back to distribution point, the UK is, is I don't know what it's like in Europe. I know a little bit what it's like in the States talking to you, but you know, we, we've made such a market for ourselves. People choose to go through distribution rather than anything else almost. You know, there are certain markets where people still will deal direct um, and, and that's present floor in many because it's quite cost you know, we're far better than the manufacturers are doing what, what we should be doing. Yeah. So do you, do you see a lot of online sales? Yes, it's definitely a market uh, that's growing. Um, I don't think it's there yet. You know, such a, it's not like we're selling cement and sand and bricks and blocks. You know, we're selling a specialist thing. There's a specialist element of advice to go with that. And, and I think, yeah, so I think, I think that the online thing is coming and we will need an e-commerce side of our business. Uh, but it's, it's not there yet. It's definitely not in the UK anyway. Is Amazon in the UK? Amazon, Jim, uh, are they in the UK? Yeah. Do you see a lot of people ordering things through Amazon or just... Huge. There's, a, there's a factory on the M1, which you start driving past on the motor and you do, I don't know, 70 miles an hour. And like a minute later, you're still driving past it. It's so huge. They're massive. They are they're huge. Everybody uses Amazon. Everybody. Uh, in fact, I've got a pal who heads up the, the, the British bit of content too over here, the, the American growing people and, and Amazon are his biggest customer. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the reason I ask that is I, I mean, I kind of think that the future of distribution could, could go that direction. You know, I, I mean, I, I feel like right now Amazon and some of these larger groups are, are focused on the larger markets, you know fashion, food, um, mm -hmm. even auto, you know, eBay got into auto for instance. And, yeah, um, yeah. you know, I just worry about the future of distribution in general sometimes where what, you know, what, what happens when say an Amazon gets to construction chemicals, you know, I'd say, I'd say we've got a lot, a lot of time and a lot of water to pass under the bridge between now and then. You know, I'm not saying, I'm not saying you need to be an expert in everything you sell. See Amazon sell so many so many lines. You know, you, you just couldn't. You really couldn't. Really. But I, I don't know. I, you know, just while I was talking, I thought well, I'll have a little look at Amazon while we're on and put in a manufacturer. And they're definitely selling a lot of products at them. You know, absolutely. But it's it's definitely a market for the for the layman for the general builder rather than the specialist contractor. Yeah. No, I, th I think you're spot on on that, with, uh, especially with injection. And there's, yeah. there's so much specialization with it, whether it's you know, mixing a product a little differently. I mean, even like yeah. the poly polyacrylate products, like, you know, there's, you know, sodium persulfate component, um, you know, the, the TEA or the, the A2, so to speak, component. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, there's, how would you possibly sell that through a, a retail shop and get any sort of support? You know. yeah, yeah. You, you really you couldn't you really couldn't yeah. <coughs> but yeah so that we deal with companies who just go online and they sell online and they do very well for themselves uh, you know different things and different avenues but i would never say that you know you know they wouldn't buy anything really specialist from us or you know certain products where you, you know we'd love to call about them you know, you know the guy, you go, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't know what he's selling. 
in the, in the talk, gets himself into trouble. We'd rather just be upfront and say, I don't think this is your thing for me to talk to your customer. Right. right. So, yeah, I, I mean, the distribution, we're not selling the commodity product, are we? That's the thing. We're, we're not, you know, it, it, it all struck me as odd in a state where, you know, a guy doesn't make his own coffee, but he'll do his own injection on his basement. <laughs> So it might be it might be different over there. I mean, how the hell can he now have to drill a hole and inject through a pump and a packer and some resin? But he doesn't know to you know turn on his percolator and make a coffee or something like that for himself. So <laughs> yeah, Kevin. So no joke. You're you're a little underwhelmed with American coffee, huh? Yeah, well, yeah. What did uh? What did the guy famously say at Bagels and Brew? But we're there. Tastes like tar. Tastes like tar, man. Tastes like tar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The times we've had. I have you, you. I think you took me to a what previously had a Michelin star Indian restaurant in Nottingham, right? You know the one with the tuk tuk on the uh, on the wall. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I took you to uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, right? Yeah. No, no comparison. Wild Wings every time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even I went to uh, New York last year and saw a Wild Wings and that's okay. Just for old times, for a chuckle. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So it wouldn't be, yeah, it wouldn't be a podcast with a with someone from the UK if we didn't didn't touch it. Not to be political, but um, really the the Brexit situation more, more with respect to to trading, you know, throughout Europe. Um, what are some of the ramifications of, of what's going to happen and how you do business with other European countries? Yeah, I think, truthfully, nobody knows. Nobody knows uh, what's going to happen. Boris has stood up and said we're going to get Brexit done. And, and if you saw his majority, um, that he stuck in, in the general election, I mean, I mean, God, we could talk about that all night, about Corbyn's campaign and different things, but you know, nobody knows, Jim. Until the deal's in place and we know what, what the trading agreements are, you know, if we, get, if we get one trading agreement for several countries, <coughs> excuse me, I think, I think Canada are a good example of that. It's taken them a long time to, uh, to get certain agreements. <coughs> I'd, say, I'd say come back in 12 months and we'll have a much better idea what Paris is up to. But dear me, he's a can. He is a can. But uh, he is the man in charge. Yeah, but at, but as it stands right now, and within the European Union, it's completely free free trade, We're right? Free. Yeah, we, we bring stuff in. We bring all stuff in from Belgium. We send a bit of stuff. We have a you know we don't send a lot of stuff abroad, but we certainly have a big big enough customer in Spain who's you know getting on towards six things a year with us, uh, and all that is free. Leaves here. It doesn't need any paperwork. You know, you guys had sent stuff in from the states, had signed invoices and copy invoices, and we paying tariffs and all of that. That stuff, you know, it's great. You know, I mean, you could fit all Europe into about three states, Jim. Anywhere. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, at the minute, it's it's great. It's free. Whether it'll continue to do that, I honestly don't know. You know, we send stuff, and it's kind of passed through various countries to get to its destination. I can see that. You know. Of all to people who export. And if, if your company depends on that, you know, you're going to be in trouble. 
Absolutely. So <clears throat> with, with that kind of goes into segues a little bit into currency. So where do we, where do we stand right now with, with the, the value of the pound? Um, well, it, it went up after Boris got in, that's for sure. So, uh, you know, that's not, that's, not, that's not a bad thing, I'd say. I think, I think stability, Jim, is, that's what the currency market wants, is, is stability. Uh, you know, and what are we now? We are 131 to the dollar, something like that. So, it's, you know, it, it's definitely been at 125. So, so to anyone that might be listening and, and wants to do business in, in Europe or international in general, you know, obviously I have some experience with it. Um, you know, while we always dealt in, in, in U.S. currency, what would be your recommendation from a customer standpoint, you know, a supplier standpoint in your country? You know, how would you prefer the, the transactions to go? We, we, we now do it in the currency of the original customer so. You know, speak to in euros, we stick to euros. Uh, I don't think we see much, much point in. We've had some problems in where we converted back to pounds and then sent it back as, you know, as dollars or whatever. But I just say stick to the original currency. We're, we're not going to get into, we're not going to join the single currency market. You know, so we're sticking with a pound, but we're quite alone in that in Europe, in essence. So I'd either say original currency or US dollars, either one. So you're just doing the conversions at the time of payment and whatever that is, is you, you take the hit, whether it's good or bad, essentially. We'll take the hit, we'll take the gain, whichever, you know, if, if you want a payment of $5,000 for that consignment, when it comes to pay it, we'll pay $5,000. Uh, and if that costs us three and a half thousand quid or 4,000 quid, it's what it is at the time. You know, it's, you know, we're not, we haven't, we're not like the Bank of England, we don't set live or rates, do we? When, we do that much trading and bigger companies do to be fair they'll they'll, they'll agree on a euro rate on an exchange rate at the start of the year um you know we were doing a, a lot of incoming and outgoings on export in and we could agree one but we'll just take it as it comes yeah all right well let's uh let's let's get into an, another topic i i had written down here so one of the things that I think a lot of people, it's of interest. I mean, Lauren and I talk about it all the time. As you know, she lived in Europe for, for some years. I just thought it'd be an interesting topic. But uh, the, the work-life balance um, you know, of, of Europe compared to the U.S. This is something that, you know, obviously us having a European counterpart, you know, being half-owned by, by a Belgian company, it's, um, you know, there's, there's discussions of it in our, you know, in our own internal team. So how do you, how do you see that balance? I know you have a fantastic work-life balance. I mean, the, the holidays you go on are, you, know, you go on the seven to 10 day trips to, you know, you're going to Spain and Greece and I think Thailand this year, right? With the yeah, I went to Thailand, yeah, took the kids away a bit further. So yeah, we, you know, I think it's UK law, you get 20 days paid holiday a year, plus there's eight bank holidays. So, so when you're when you're off, are you still looking at your emails? Are you still tied in? It's yeah, yeah, but that's just that's just me and that's the position I'm in. You know, I, I wouldn't I don't expect everyone to do that. If you want to, you know, completely switch off. And don't get me wrong, I do. I definitely have a couple of days in my life. I don't do anything up amount of office so you know, you've got faith in the team behind you, they can handle it, then 
I'd say, yeah, you, you know, you can switch off. But definitely at some point, you know, at the Thailand for two weeks last summer, you know, you, you want to be, I just want to be checking in, otherwise. You know, the, the plane journey on the good back, on, on the way back was, you know, 11 hours, and that gives you 11 hours to delete about a thousand emails. Yeah. Yeah, I think sales is a little different. That's that's a discussion I get in with with Lauren as well. You know, she's more on the, the BD and strategy side, you know, kind of behind mm-hmm. the scenes and obviously we're on the front lines in, in sales. And you know, I think just you know, by the nature of the the position, the nature of the division of sales, you know, we're just geared that way just to always be on. You know, and if you're not responding to that, then your competitor is, and you know, it's just, it's just how we're wired. You know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we we have a interesting. We probably get a hundred and fifty, hundred and eighty emails a day, something like that. Yeah. So, but but we have a generic email address for Nottingham, which a lot of orders come into. Which, you know, there's five of us in it now, and I'm one of them. So you get to see what comes in. Anyway, um, you, you know, it's someone else's job to, to deal with that anyway, unless there's a pricing quick we're not going to get involved. Yeah, you're quite right. I think you, you generally you want to know what's going on. You want to be in the loop rather than probably be out of it. But, you know, to, to go back to the, the work life, you know, we do have a good work life balance in the UK, I think. We get plenty of holidays, plenty of downtime, you know, as much as you need. Crikey, and, uh, if anyone wants to complain, then uh, come and see me, big cat. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I actually heard, I, I don't know how much truth or, you know, factuality there is to it, but I heard that, I believe it was in, in Germany or, or maybe maybe it was Switzerland, but um, that they were thinking about going to a, kind of having mandates where you couldn't email, you know, coworkers and things like that outside of working hours or, you know, certain companies would set up these email permissions, you know, that you couldn't transmit. Have you, have you heard any, anything like that? No, Jim, honestly, what the hell? You know, that'll be a, that'll be a HR nightmare. That'll be, you sent me an email at five past six. I mean, uh, you know, from our company, we're, we're meant to have a, a walk, talk, Skype roll policy. So if you can't walk and see someone, you know, you're meant to ring them up, and if you can't, you Skype them. If you can't, you email them. So, I mean, you know, it doesn't always work like that, but you try and promote that. So, if you, you know, much better. We have one guy who I won't name in the company who is definitely an email warrior. I sit at his desk and he'll email the guy sat opposite him. And, and that's just wrong. That's wrong. You know, he's yeah, just having a conversation with him. Yeah. So, yeah, but, but yeah, yeah, we could all do, we could all definitely do with a few less emails, I'd say that, but if we didn't have any customers, Jim, we'd be Yeah, absolutely. And the, um, yeah, the, the internal emails things, that's another thing that we, we talk about quite a bit and I don't want to say struggle with, um, but, you know, it, it is a challenge. Like you're talking about 150 emails a day. I mean, that, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have situations like that where I'll go into an hour long meeting and come out to, 50 new emails, for instance. So it's, you know, the yeah. volume of emails and a lot of that is internal, <laughs> you know? So how, how would you guys deal with, do you have any policies in place or any directives in place to deal with the internal emails? Yeah, the walk talks come policy that I mentioned, you know, I don't think I'd, 
email anyone in this building. I couldn't go and talk to them. Uh, you couldn't have a chat. And, you know, unless there's something specific that you want, you need to put in writing, uh, just so there's a record. Honestly, yeah, internal emails. I, I don't think we have the policy yet, or the policy, but we're not quite into the mentality where everybody copies everybody in, and that's that's really the worst thing. You just get seated into an email, which it doesn't bother you, doesn't concern you, whatever else. So, you know, we're not quite in that. We, we have a, a generic, not in a Mac email address, but if you send it to that one, there's five of us get a copy of it. But right. We haven't copied people in for the sake of it. You know, but still, if you can go and walk and talk to someone, just do that instead. You know, don't send an email, just get up from your desk, you lazy fat bastard. Pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. I'm looking at you, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you never mince words, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the thing that we have, though, is a lot of our, a lot of our team is remote. I mean, it's actually a little bit of our model, at least on the sales side. That, you know, we would rather have a salesman in that market, you know, working from a home office than, you know, than, than in the office. So, we, you know, we have a lot of our team that's just, you know, obviously we, we can't walk and see them. It'd be a hell of a walk if we did. But, um, yeah. you know, so I, I agree with you, though, that the copying, I think, is where where a lot of companies and a lot of people get themselves in trouble because you, you know, you try to copy a lot of people because you think that they need to know, but then it just turns into a, search for something then there you go i am very poor at filing things even even on email inboxes your inbox is just oh boy you just search the damn thing so <coughs> i think he knew what he was doing during this uh bill case you know didn't he yeah i think they so this was masterminded for sure and it's taking over but it doesn't seem that it's you know the more communication isn't directly proportional to more revenue or more sales you know, a lot of people say, well, how did we do it 30 years ago? You know, when, when we were yeah. faxing people and keeping handwritten notes, uh, you know, and um, so it's, I don't know, it's an interesting phenomenon that, that the more communication doesn't necessarily lead to more productivity or more revenue. You know, no, as a matter of fact, it probably leads to more noise and more distraction, you know. Than, yeah, it's less because you spend more time looking through emails to see if anything concerns you then anything else than, than being proactive. Uh, I mean, 30 years ago, Jim, you used to see, you used to see a bunch of guys queuing up in the phone box so they could be in the office, see if there's any messages for them. Yeah. You know, before mobile phones. So. Well, you're, you're yeah. aging yourself there, Kev. Well, crikey, I think it was about 96 when I got my first phone, Jim, and to be fair, it's probably smaller than the one I got now. Yeah, yeah. It didn't do much. It didn't do. I didn't do much. So, yeah, I, I didn't. Honestly, the email thing. It it, it does irritate. It irritates me when people copy in for no reason without thinking. 
Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think from your point of view, I think you know, from a from a sales team, particularly the vast country that is a you know America, and yeah, it'll be difficult to get everyone in office. Well, then you know you don't have calls coming in to a central sales office, do you? Like a distributor would have, you know, anything and everything. Yeah. So, yeah. When yeah, yeah working yeah, well, from policy, Jim, that's that's an interesting one. Well, I mean, a lot, yeah, but I mean, the, the guys are traveling and, and guys and girls are traveling and in the field quite a bit, you know, so it's, it's really just home office to, to plan, you know, uh, get, get the CRM updated, you know, um, make calls for your next trip, things like that. So it's not, not all sitting in, in the office. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's, it's interesting. I think from your perspective, the guys and girls is, you know, you probably need to have that. Whereas we, you know, if you're not happy seeing someone, you know, you're in the office type of thing. Yeah. It's the mentality we have. So, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, Kev, hey, I, I have a hard stop here because uh, I, I have to jump on a conference call. But yeah. uh, it's good, yeah. good catching up with you. And, and as you, you know, as you see, we're going to be doing a number of episodes here. So, Hopefully we can have you back on and uh, maybe get into some more some more entertaining uh, stories that, that we have between us. But um, next time you come on, Jim, I'll get myself a pair of chicken wings. Just uh, pay homage. Yeah. Maybe we could do it do it both remotely from a from Buffalo Wild Wings and get them to sponsor. Oh, Honestly, I've got a friendly man issue got a wild wings. <laughs> Looking awesome. you, you get out you, you get out much these days, Jim or you uh you out in the field and traveling, you mean? No, I mean out for a beer. Much. Kev, I got a I have a one and a half year old. So the yeah, oh. I don't I don't know if you remember those days of, of having a one year old, but uh no, I, I don't get out much at all. So, you know, the, the, the beers, uh, you know, for, we're going to have a pint. It's, it's at home, you know, Lauren has a glass of wine and I'll have a beer and that's our. Yeah. One and a half. You can't just put them in the chair and expect them to sit there. Yeah. At all. And, and they're not, they're not old enough to entertain themselves. So yeah. you're in the, you know, for about, for about two and a half years, you're almost in the worst spot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You just have to helicopter and you know, be right above them on everything. But, uh, but no, it's, I think we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, the, uh, his personality is now changing so much and now he's starting to talk. So that, yeah, that's just a game changer. So. It's good Yeah. I do remember the long time ago. Interesting. Times. I wouldn't say it's a better or worse now. It's just different, isn't it? Yeah. Different times. You know, it's equally as rewarding. You know, you see a boy playing his band and play, you know, Nirvana cover tracks and stuff like that in his band, and you go, you know, it's very, very good. But uh, yeah, would I, would I go back to the old days? Yeah. Then have art gym. I think I can leave them. Go to the I was in back for nine thirty ish. Yeah. Uh, you know, that'd be good. Yep. Yep. Well, Kev, I'm, I got to run, unfortunately. Let's uh, let's catch up um, again. Yeah. And um, thanks for thanks for giving us your time to come on. Nice one, Jim. I'll uh, I'll expect the uh, invitation back for round two. 
Absolutely, Kev. Appreciate it. Tell, uh, tell Kate and the kiddos uh, I said hello. Will do, mate. All right. Nice one, Jim. We'll catch okay. you later, Paul. Okay. We'll see you, Kev. All right. See you later, mate. Bye,